There we go. What's up, fam? There we go. There we go. Hey, uh, kids, you can be dismissed. Go have fun. Go crazy and wild and fill them up with sugar so we can send them home crazy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Except for my kids. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, no, hey, I'm, I'm so pumped, so excited to uh, share the word with you all this morning. Uh, I just want to give a shout out though real quick uh, to my friend, Pastor Stan. Thank you so much for the opportunity this morning. Man, I love you and I appreciate you. Uh, I just want to say uh, here, uh, I, I want to expose something, okay? I'm the new guy on staff and so I just want to bring something to light that uh, I, I like knowing what happens behind the scenes. And what I've seen here at Change Life Church from our pastor to our staff, I can tell you right now, there is so much integrity here. And it is such a blessing and an honor to be part of a church staff who values that integrity and says, hey, no, we're gonna do this right. We're gonna do things correctly. And so I'm very appreciative. And I know that starts at a place and it starts up top. And so I just wanna give a shout out to Pastor Stan for your integrity and who you are as a person. I know you're watching at home. So kick back, enjoy, uh, sit in your massage chair and make sure you get a cup of coffee and just relax, man. Take the day off. Uh, but no, seriously, so thankful. Absolutely give him a hand. Pastor Stan's the man. I am one inch taller than him and I will rejoice in that. Um, but no, today we're, we're going to begin a new series and Pastor Stan asked me to go ahead and kick it off. And uh, we started talking, I think about two weeks ago about a, a series for Christmas and uh, like, hey, what's December going to look like? And as we were talking, he said, man, I just got this word in my heart. It's just, it's grateful. And uh, at first, you know, I, I kind of chuckled like, well, we just had Thanksgiving. But I started thinking about it, man, if, if we reduce our gratefulness down to one day out of 365, 366 on a leap year, uh, then we're probably doing something wrong. And so I started to really think about this word grateful. I want to have a very grateful Christmas season this year. And I think, I think he would agree with me on that. And so 100%. So as Pastor Stan was praying, he's like, man, this, this word just keeps getting dropped in my heart. Grateful, grateful, grateful. And so I said, man, let's, let's do it. Let's have some fun with it and, and let's see what God would do. And so he asked me to go ahead and take today to kick it off. And so I'm very humbled and, and excited to share the word with you uh, about that. And so we're going we're gonna to jump in here. Uh, I believe that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So I do want to laugh a little in the beginning here, have some fun, and then we'll get into the serious stuff later on and it'll be all crazy and good. But um, here it is. We're going we're gonna to dive right in. Is that okay? We're going to jump right into Matthew chapter one. I know the traditional Christmas stories in Luke chapter two, but there's a reason I'm looking at Matthew one today. So here it is. It's on the screen. You can read along with me. It says this in Matthew one, verse 18 through 25. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her, oh, my, my iPad just shut off there. There we go. The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, um, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, saying, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's recap the story real quick here. Let's put it in layman's terms as we understand it now. 
Mary and Joseph are about to get married. They're engaged. They've had a little, uh, a little ceremony type thing at the house. And they said, okay, Mary, you are betrothed to Joseph. All right. One day, Mary comes walking up to Joe. And she's like, hey, yo, Joe, we need to talk. Every man in this room or watching online, you know right now, those are the most feared words you can ever hear. Right? We need to talk. You want to talk sports? Can we talk anything? Just, just please do not yell at me, right? Like, it's just the reality of, of, of relationships. She says, yo, Joe, we need to talk. And so they sit down and they start having this conversation. And Mary's like, hey, um, I need to let you know something. I love you. And Joe's like, I love you too. It's why we're betrothed, right? It's why we're engaged. I don't know why I said betrothed. Like it's 1312, right? I have no idea why. It's, this is medieval times, right? But he's sitting there. It's like, okay, I love you too. It's all good. And she's like... I'm pregnant, I'm a virgin. And Joe's like, hold on, Mary, I really don't think it happens the way that you think it happens, okay? Um, we're engaged, we're not married yet. You don't just, uh, you know, get engaged and boop, there's a baby in you. It doesn't happen that way, right? Don't blush, we're all here because of it, okay? So we're sitting here and Joe's like, hold on a second, like, I don't know how you're, you're, you're pregnant. You're, you're a virgin, Mary. She's like, yes, I'm a virgin and, and I'm pregnant with the Lord. The savior of the world is in my belly, right? And Joe is like, okay, Mary, clearly you're not who I thought you were. So being the good man that I am, I'm going to go ahead and bow out of this uh, engagement. Um, and really what Joe was doing there is he's, he's actually doing what the law says is the lady should go be with the one who actually is the father. And so Joe's giving her the opportunity to kind of get away and say, hey, just go be with that guy. It's okay. I'll find someone else. There's plenty of pretty ladies here in Nazareth. All right. And so he tries to bow, and while he's trying to bow out of the situation, he says, I'm going to sleep on it. I'll wake up in the morning. And obviously, an angel, like we just read, shows up and is like, hey, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What she's telling you is true. That baby is the son of God, and you, Joe, are the stepdad, and you are to raise him and lead him and guide him in life. That's, that's heavy. Let's <laughs> be real. Like, uh, hi, um, I'm, I'm your stepdad, and I'm supposed to train you the Bible, even though... Your dad wrote the Bible? Like, that, that, that's a tough job, right? And so Joe has to carry that with him, and he actually does a phenomenal job as you read through the Bible and who Jesus was. You see, Jesus didn't just was born, and like on his first Sunday at church, he didn't get up and read Psalms and preach, right? Like, it didn't happen that way. He had to learn it, and he learned it from a great guy named Joe. All right, and, and Joe is awesome, and you can see the entire Christmas story there. Joe did a great job, but it was a heavy load, Right? But Joe was instructed to, to give him a name. He says, you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he's referred to as Emmanuel. So right there, which means, uh, sorry, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so right in the beginning, before Jesus is even born, he's given two names. And I started thinking about that. I started wondering, why was he given two names before he's even born? Obviously, in the times of the Bible, names were a really big deal. You would name someone something because it, it, had, it carried a weight. It, it, that name had a value. Nowadays, we've kind of lost sight of that. I can prove it, okay? Have you ever wondered why your parents named you the way they did? I can. My name is Stevie Nicks. I mean, come on, man. Like, come on. Like, my whole life has been a landslide. It's been, you know, there's the Fleetwood Mac fan right there. Thank you. Okay, yep. There we go. Okay, there we go. Right? I, I, my whole life I've been made fun of, you know? I, I'm 32 now, and the, the one that gets me really good is when people go, do you know who Stevie Nicks is? <laughs> do you think after 32 years, you're the first person to make the connection, 
Okay, no, no, it doesn't happen. Okay, no, 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 not, not a chance. I know who Stevie Nicks is. Since I was three, I have heard of Stevie Nicks. Okay, I've nonstop, every day of my life, every time I got a new teacher in school, they'd say, Stevie Nicks, right? They would laugh. It's like, come on, man. Like, I've been getting made fun of my whole life. I was like, mom, I was like 13. Why did you name me after an, like an 80s rock star chick? Like, at least pick the dude from Journey. Like, give me something. Ario Speedwagon, I don't care. Just Stevie Nicks. A lady? Come on, mom, right? Like, I was upset. Right? I was a hurting, broken kid because of it, right? But I just wonder, why did my parents call me that? Maybe you have a crazy name. I don't know. I had a friend named Jeremiah Johnson, right? He was a mountain man. It was awesome, right? It was cool. He was nothing mountain man at all, but hey, he was Jeremiah Johnson. I don't know. Maybe you have not a name that, that, that is awesome, or maybe you have a name that you just go, man, I would much rather have a different name. I don't know where you are today, um, but uh, my name actually, Stephen, it means the king. And I was like, hey, yeah, now I kind of like my name, except for I'll never rule over my family and I will never overthrow the government in 2020, which sounds like a great idea, but it's just not going to happen. So I will never be known as Stephen the King, Stevie Nicks, named after an 80s rock star chick. Awesome. Sounds good. So when I had my kids, I was like, I want my kids' names to mean something. I forgot that, obviously, because I never looked up my kids' definitions of their names until after they were born and they were named and birth certificates were already in hand, right? So we named our daughter Tatum. I love that name. I was like, that's super cute. So I looked it up one day. What does Tatum even mean? It means sweet, compassionate, full of life. And I was like, wow, that really describes my daughter like really well. This is awesome. Like Kristen, we set ourselves up. We're going to raise a great girl. Like she's compassionate, full of life. She got energy. And then I looked at my son's name, Riker. It means stubborn (laughs) and strong-willed. And I was like, Kristen, we set ourselves up to hate his teenage years. Like, what were we thinking? So that day I stopped calling him Riker and I call him obedient now. Um, just kidding. No, I don't. I don't. I don't do that. He's Riker. There's a side of him that I'm like, yes, I want you to be stubborn, like against the world. But I, I really need you to be obedient when I tell you to clean your room, bro. Like, come on, man. Right. So I, I got curious though, and I wanted to branch out from my household and Kristen's name. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it means lover of Christ. And I was like, well, that'd be great if I was known as lover of Christ, but nope, Stephen, Stevie Nicks, right? This is terrible. Anyways, so I was like, man, I want to know who else has some really weird names so that I'm not the only person getting made fun of. And so I wanted to go to a normal year. I looked up 2017. I just picked a year. Okay. Just, there's no significance behind that at all. If 2020, if I would have picked names, like, hey, what are the weird names in America in 2020? The kid's name would have been like, ugh, right? Like, 2020 has been crazy. So I don't need any help from 2020. I want to look at 2017 just because. And so do you know in 2017, 24 boys in America, okay, not like India or like Afghanistan, no. 24 boys in America in 2017 were named Lucifer. Yeah, thank you, okay? I'm sorry, if my son ever comes home and says, yeah, dad, my best friend is Lucifer, I'm rebuking my son, okay? No, your best friend is not Lucifer. No, you cannot go to the store with Lucifer, you will end up in jail, okay? You're not going. Does he have a nickname, Riker? Yes, Satan. Yeah, no, certainly not. You're not hanging out with that dude, right? And then that same year, 2017, did you know that 27 girls, is it girls outweigh the boys here? 27 girls were named Jezebel. In America! Okay, this isn't like some foreign country. 27 girls were named Jezebel. If Riker comes home when he's 16 and says, this is my girlfriend Jezebel. I'm rebuking her right there in the living room. No, you ain't. No, you are not bringing Jezzy in this house. This ain't happening, right? Look, names are crazy. Names are weird. And so those are two weird Bible names. But I wanted to know, are there any other just weird names? 
And I came across this one for girls, Espen. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute, right? You just tilted your head like, oh, that's cute, right? Espen, that's cute. Until you find out the name is spelled E-S-P-N. Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. What are you thinking? I'm sorry, my name's Stevie Nicks. If I know your kid, his, his name is ESPN, I'm making fun of that kid. I don't care. I am. Because I've been made fun of my whole life, I have the right to make fun of you, ESPN. Anytime you come walking in the room, dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, right? I want the highlights given to me. Okay, I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just being real. I get excited. I know I'm sorry. I should probably concentrate on the Bible. I'm, I'm sorry, okay? But I believe a happy heart does good like medicine. I believe a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And so we are gonna get to some serious stuff. I just... I just find it crazy that names almost mean nothing nowadays. You know, we're, we're, I'm never going to be known as Stephen the King. It's just harsh reality. But I do hope I lay a foundation of something to be remembered by. Maybe not the king and hopefully not Fleetwood Mac, but hopefully something of value and something good, right? Names have kind of lost their names, but lost their value. But in the Bible, names meant a whole lot. And so when the angel is instructing Joe, saying, hey, you need to focus on this. I need your full attention. His name is Jesus because he's Emmanuel. And so I got curious. I wanted to go through the Bible at the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, the before, during, after. And I, if you ever want to do this, nerd out on it. It's totally awesome. Uh, go in the Bible and just look up people's names around certain events. And it, truly, the, the things that you'll find are remarkable about names because in the Bible times, names had value. They meant something very particular. And so Jesus, his name, actually means the Lord will save. And Emmanuel means God is with us. The Lord will save because God is with us. He's, he's right here with us now. And so I, I got curious and I wanted to look up, you know, all the other names. I looked up every name that's surrounding the birth of Jesus. And I said, I better start with Joseph and Mary. That's pretty important because they're kind of the you know, parents. And so Joseph's name means he will add. And Mary's name, name means love. And so when they get married and they have a firstborn son, they're literally saying, he will add love. I think that's a great reminder to us that, you know what, no matter my situation, he's adding love to me. He's pouring out his love on me. He's literally instructed by his parents' definition names together, he will add love. Meaning to every situation, he's adding love. God is love. I find that truly awesome and remarkable, but it's not just the names of people. Like I said, if you want to dive into it, Get on there and, and just search the Bible and find people's names, especially around Christmas time. It's really cool. But it's not just the names of people. It's sometimes the town. And Jesus was prophesied to be born in and was born in the town of Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem means house of bread. They were actually known for the bread that they baked in their ovens. They just had something special about their ovens. I don't know what it was, but their flour was just on point. And so they were known for their bread. I know it's funny. I know, Right. But they were known for that. And I find it no coincidence that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed by Judas, he actually says, I am the bread of life. And yet, Mary, the first thing that's recorded that she does with Jesus after him being born is wraps him in cloth and lays him in a feeding trough. The bread of life in a feeding trough in the house of bread. You can't make this stuff up. That's just awesome. He's literally saying, you need me in you. You need all that I am inside of who you are. That's where you find fulfillment and satisfaction. It's found in me when you partake me and put me into your life. That's just awesome. But it's not just, you know, the names of people. It's not just the titles of a town, but it's also kind of the titles of people. Because who was Jesus first visited by? The first people on the scene recorded in the Bible is not the wise men. The wise men actually came a couple years later, apparently. But actually, the very night he was born shepherds show up. 
And I think that speaks prophetically on who Jesus really is. That he actually set aside his kingship to become a shepherd. You see, a shepherd is someone who leads people. A king leads people, but a king leads from a distance. A shepherd leads up close. A shepherd gets down onto our level and says, I'm right here with you. On the hot day, on the cold day, in the smelly day, in the bad day, in the good day, I am right here and I'm going to lead you in a very personal way. That's what a shepherd does. And a shepherd is very attentive to who belongs to him. Because a shepherd would know, I have a hundred sheep and one is missing. At a glance, someone might look at the field and go, wow, look at the flock of sheep. A shepherd looks at it and goes, I'm missing one. Where's it at? See, that's, that's who Jesus is. He's a shepherd before he's ever king. And now I'm not saying that he's not king. He very much is king of everything. But he said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, it says this. We can put up on the screen. It says, though he was God, he did not regard equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges And he took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. This shows Jesus' approach to leading his people. That he would give up the throne for a stable to lead his people, to love his people. Why? Because he will add love. Why? Because Jesus is the one who saves because he is with us. I find this all truly remarkable and astounding. I really nerd out on things like that. But I find it totally awesome that that there is nothing missing, missing in the definitions given to this event surrounding his birth. That it all had to do with one thing, you being led, loved by a shepherd who loves you so much. I think that's a good reminder. You sit there and you say, you know what, man? God loves me, great. Yeah, you have no idea what I did this morning though. I don't care, he loves you. Stevie, you really don't understand the issue that I've been dealing with for years, this sin, this issue, this habit that I just cannot break. I don't care, he loves you. Remind yourself that this morning. He loves you. He came for one purpose, to love you. You see, the Bible and the Christmas story has nothing to do with us, but because of his love, it has everything to do with us. This is why he came, to love you, to care for you. The the sin that that, that we are dealing with, let me tell you something right now. Let Let me expose something. He's not embarrassed by your sin. I used to think, you know, I was 16, 17 years old, and I was afraid to go to God. Because I knew what I was doing. And I knew I had issues. And I knew I had sin. And I was like, man, I'm not going to go to God. He's just going to push me away right now. I, I can't go to he's, No, almost like he's embarrassed. By my, he's not embarrassed by my sin. He actually embraced my sin. And he put it on himself as if he's the one who did it. And he died for me. All because he was born for me. It has nothing to do with me. But because of his love, it has everything to do with me. Just like it has nothing to do with you. The gospel story has nothing to do with us. But because of his love, it's actually all about us. About a a God who came to lead his people in a very close and intimate way as their shepherd. That's who he is. The bread of life. We are to take, partake of him. And let me tell you something right now. He knows your name. Your name might be crazy, Stevie Nicks. (laughs) But he knows your name. He cares for you. I'm, I'm going to say something and I want you to pause. I want you to really think about it. Your name has been voiced in the throne room of God. Wow. My name, as funny as it is, has been said before the throne of God. Because when I was 17 years old, Jesus is sitting there saying, Father, there's a kid. He's broken. He's hurting. He's got issues. He's got sin. But I love him. And I, I really need to go get him. 
He's lost and he needs to be found. And he came and he called my name. And I have never looked back. April 1st, 2005, I have never looked back. I never will look back. It was in a moment I experienced his power. I experienced his presence. I said, yeah, I'm better in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be right here with you than anywhere else. And I haven't looked back. And that's not to say if you have looked back, there's anything wrong. No, just he's calling your name. Just realize this, that he's calling your name this morning. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 45 years faithfully, never looked back. I don't care, he's still calling your name. A shepherd always knows where his flock is. He's very aware and attentive to you and your situation and what you're going on around you, right? He loves you. And, and, And I think of this, that if he knows my name, that means he's aware. If he's a shepherd, he knows my name, it means he's aware of my situation. The question that, that we sometimes ask is this, is if he's aware and he knows me so well, Stevie, then why is life so hard? Why, why is it so difficult to, to see things through? Why is it so hard to follow God sometimes? Why is this life in general difficult? It's almost like we, we start to think, man, if I follow Jesus, I get a hall pass of difficulty in life, Right? Like, yeah, I get a get out of jail free car. Like I'm free. I don't have to worry about difficulties anymore. I follow Jesus. Yay. No, that's, that's not how it happens. Actually following Jesus makes your life more difficult because you are now a target for the enemy. You're now light in darkness and light in darkness stands out. And what's it do? It gets attention. And so all of a sudden I'm following Jesus. Life gets crazy. Life gets hard. That's the reality of it. And if we have it hard as adopted kids, certainly Jesus didn't have it hard as a real kid, right? Like he was like the son, we're adopted, right? Into the family, we're grafted in, the Bible says. But Jesus was the real son, so Jesus obviously had an easy life, right? I mean, come on. I mean, look at the events surrounding Jesus' birth, right? Look how easy he had it, okay? Look, at, look how easy it is. Mary and Joseph are, are, are about to get married, and they have to go to Bethlehem. Well, we don't realize, like, if you look at the, the map in the back of your Bible, right, you see Nazareth, you see Bethlehem, it looks really close. No, it's not close at all. It's 60 miles away. That's an easy walk for a nine-month pregnant lady. Absolutely, right? Look, I'm just saying, I, I know my wife. I'm going to say this. I'm going to have to buy her lunch, okay? When she was nine months pregnant, she didn't want to walk from the living room to the kitchen, okay? I don't care how much she wanted that pickle with mayonnaise. No, it wasn't happening. Okay, she was not doing it. She was not walking at all. I love you, sweetheart. You look beautiful today, right? It, it just wasn't happening. So for Mary to have to walk 60 miles when she is nine months pregnant, whoa, God, are you sure you want me to do this? Like, this is a lot of hard work, right? And then I just feel for Joe. Like, he's a dude, like 60 miles. Like, I go to the mall with Kristen I'm done. After like going through H&M, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done. I'm going back to the car. My feet hurt, right? 60 miles, Joe had to walk. I feel bad for the guy, right? He had to do it, right? He had to do it because they were supposed to be in Bethlehem, right? So Mary and Joseph actually knew the Savior is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. There was prophecies about it. that They knew that and they didn't go. They could have gone earlier. I don't know why they didn't, but they didn't go earlier. And they're hanging out in Nazareth. And so God's like, I need people to go back to, I need to get them to Bethlehem. So Herod, call a census, right? And so it finally gets them to move and to go to Bethlehem and they travel 60 miles as a pregnant woman and she's not ready for that, right? Not only that, but before those, those events even happening, she's pregnant and she's not married yet. Well, according to Jewish law, she would actually be dragged in front of her home, in front of her dad and stoned to death. 
that's heavy. God, are you sure you asked me to do this? Because apparently if I do this, uh, I'm going to get stoned in front of my dad. (laughs) That does not sound comforting. It does not sound exciting. It does not sound like a Christmas tradition that I want to continue on next year (laughs) at all, right? And and Mary is is supposed to be dragged in front of her dad and stoned to death because she's pregnant before she's married. And by Joseph actually stepping in and marrying her, he actually saves her. And the only thing with that is though he saves her, they have disgrace on them now. That they're actually, it's not written in the Bible, but knowing the culture and the customs of the law, they were actually pushed aside. So by Joe stepping in and basically saving Mary's life, he actually disgraces himself. He actually bears shame on himself by having a woman who is now married to him, who is pregnant without, with not his kid. That, that's a very shameful thing. Nowadays, we, we look at situations like this and not that it's okay, but people get pregnant. Ladies have gotten pregnant outside of marriage and in today's culture, we don't think twice about it. We just go, oh, okay, you know, and we move on. In ancient days, in ancient times, it was not like that. If you got pregnant, the, the virginity of marriage was such a big deal. that You had to prove your virginity basically to get married as a woman. And so it's a huge deal. And so when that's not in place, all of a sudden it's a huge disgrace to the family. It's a huge disgrace to Joseph. It's a huge disgrace to Mary. And they're actually shunned. And I, like I said, I don't have any biblical evidence, but other, other, other than just the law of the land of religious law and the culture of the day, they would have been shunned. And I can even take it a step further that when they get to Bethlehem, see how easy Jesus's life was. When they get to Bethlehem, they're actually nowhere for them to go. Now, I don't know if you how familiar you are with Middle Eastern culture. Um, uh, last year, so 2019, yeah, feels like forever ago. Uh, 2019, I got to go to Athens, Greece, and I got to work with the refugees who were coming out of Syria and Iraq um, because ISIS was basically chasing them out and threatening to kill them. So it was either leave or die. And so I got to work with these people. And um, I remember there was this school that we went to. And when you look at it, it just looks like an old building run down. It looks old, like everything else in Greece. And I'm looking at this going, okay, let's, I don't see what's so significant about this place, but okay. And so we went inside and we started walking around and I started noticing the classrooms, the standard classroom, high school classroom sizes. And there was tarp in all these rooms, tarp dividing by four ways. And so there was four squares. And I'd say, you know, a classroom size is probably less than half the size of this room that we're in right now. And there was tarp, like I said, dividing into four sections. And as I walked into one of the rooms, because they invited me in, I saw a bed, a couch, a little stove area. And I was like, oh, this is where someone lives. Not just someone, a family lives right here. And then they invited me to come through the next tarp. And so I walked through, it's a whole nother setup. A stove, a little kitchen area, a little bed, a little couch. Another family lived there. So in a room, half the size of this room, obviously not the tall ceilings, but half the size of this, and you have four families living in there? Very tight quarters, very, you know, all around, everyone squeezed together. But I remember I walked into this room and this lady, she, she was actually a Muslim and she was so excited to have people in her house. The hospitality she showed was through the roof. She was so excited. She brushed off her couch. She laid down a fresh blanket for us to sit on. And she's like, please sit down, please sit down. Her, her English was really broken. And she's trying to, you know, do you guys like coffee? And I said, you are a woman of God. You would like coffee. Yes, I love coffee. So she made this coffee. It apparently had like cardamom in it. I don't know how to say it, but it's a spice I don't like. But because of her hospitality, I couldn't help but drink the coffee. 
I was just so blessed and so, I felt so honored. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, wow, I feel like an honored guest that I'm in her house right now. And so understanding that culture, I look at Joseph and I look at Mary and they go back to Bethlehem where Joe is from, meaning he has family there. And if I as an outsider, a white Christian male from America can be welcomed into a Muslim lady's home because that's their culture, how much more should a son or a cousin be invited in? And yet when they get to Bethlehem, they have nowhere to go. No, they are completely rejected, completely pushed aside by their family. Like I said, I have no biblical proof of this other than just understanding the culture. And when it says that no one has nowhere to go, they could have at least found an old childhood friend. Like, hey, it's Joe, can you let me in? I got my wife, she's pregnant. Nobody let them into a house, even just to sleep on the floor. And so Joe's like, okay, we're going to the hotel, the Holiday Inn. They get there. There ain't no room at the Holiday Inn. They even went to Best Western, nothing there either. And then they're like, okay, uh, Joe, being the good guy that he is, he's like, hey, we got to get somewhere. We need at least something over our head. So there's a barn. And so they head over to this barn, and right there in the muck, in the mire, and the manure, our Savior is born. See how easy his life was? No, surrounded by difficulty. And yet we wonder why life gets hard sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't know anybody that was born in the muck, mire, and the manure other than Jesus. Amen. And I, I think that speaks volumes as to where he came. That in the middle of the muck and the mire and the manure, that's where he found me. He found me when I was running from him. And yet he still called my name. Yet he still loved me enough to say, I'm, I'm your shepherd. But I'm disobedient, I'm, I'm your shepherd. But I don't listen, I'm, I'm your shepherd. Why? Because he loves us. Because he's crazy about us. He, he loves you so much that he gave up his throne to be born in the muck and the mire and the manure for us. Yeah. See, Christmas story has nothing to do with us, but it actually has everything to do with us. It's all about him coming to us. And from what I see from the very first Christmas, there's no traditions that I want to carry on to the next one other than my savior came. My savior came. I'm so glad that I didn't need a physician because he would have sent a doctor. I'm so glad I didn't need education because he would have sent a teacher. I needed salvation, so he sent a savior. He sent exactly what we needed, salvation from our sins. And life can be hard. Christmas can be hard. Maybe Christmas, it reminds you of the loved ones that we've lost. It's difficult. You remember that spouse. You remember your parents, those grandparents that you have those fun traditions with, those fun memories with. Christmas can be stressful, maybe at work. Maybe you, as the, the end of the year comes around, the quota is stressed and, and the, the books have to be closed and all these things have to happen, reviews have to happen. And so maybe December is kind of a stressful month at work. Maybe on the home front, that financial pressure that you've tried to ignore all year comes to light when your kid can't get that toy he wants and you can't buy it for him that Christmas morning. See, I understand stresses. I am a friend of trial. I've been there. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> Life is real. Life is hard. But I have a savior. And if he knows my name, then I can trust that he's aware. Amen. If he knows my name, I can trust him. Why? He's a good shepherd. Yeah. He knows my name. He's aware of my situation. And if, I, if he's aware, then I can trust that he has a plan. Yeah. I can trust that he's thinking something through. I can trust that he's working something out for my good, as the Bible says. 
If he knows my name, then I can trust that he's aware. And if I trust that he's aware, then I know he has a plan. If I had three points, those would be my three points today. I, don't, I didn't write it out like that, but that would be it right there. I can trust that he's aware. He's with me. He's Emmanuel. He's here to save me. He's here to love me. You know, honestly, sadly, no one will ever know me as Stephen the King. It's just not gonna happen. I will never be known as the King Stephen. But, but I do hope that I'm remembered as someone who is faithful to his wife. I, I pray that I'm remembered as someone who pursued his anointing. I pray that I'm remembered as someone who loved him and set that tone and atmosphere in the home for his kids. See, I'm not talking about death today. What I'm talking about is a life legacy lived. How are you and I setting the tones for our children, for our family? I'll never be remembered as Stephen the King, but I do hope that my name carries a different definition. I hope that my name does carry a value to my future generations, make it a personal that my kids' kids and those kids' kids and those kids' kids will remember a foundation that was laid of Jesus first. Not Stephen the King, but someone who loved Jesus and set that atmosphere and that tone. What legacy am I leaving? What Christmas tradition or life tradition am I leaving to my kids? What tone am I setting? As I ask myself that question, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna ask you that question. What tone and legacy are you setting you say, my kids are already moved out. I don't care. What tone are you setting? What, 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 are you, what are you doing in your home to set a tone so that when the grandkids come over, they go, there's something different about this place. Man, just peaceful. You ever been to a house like that? You know what I'm talking about, right? What tone are we setting in the home? Where, where are we going with our lives? Again, I'm not talking about when you're dead and gone. I'm talking about right now. Is it, uh, this is actually a, a new Bible. I got it yesterday. Um, I can literally say my, my dog ate my homework. Um, my dog ripped my Bible apart. Now this Bible was very important to me. My, it was an orange Bible. It was my favorite color. It was awesome. I miss it. But see, I got, I got this Bible yesterday and Friday I didn't have a Bible. So I was a, I was a pastor without a Bible. I felt like a heathen. You can rebuke me later. But so we went to Barnes and Noble yesterday and I was just excited to find a new Bible. I was like, man, I, I'm actually kind of excited for this. You know, that, that Bible that I had, I had it for 13 years. It went through Bible college with me. It went to three continents and six countries with me. I'd preached out of it everywhere. It had notes everywhere. I mean, underline, I mean, if you had a Bible for that amount of time, you, you understand what I'm talking about. So this one is, is brand new. And so if sermon's bad today, it's the Bible's fault. But as, I, as I'm going through, I'm, I'm very picky about my Bibles. Apparently, I didn't know I was, but apparently I am. And we're sitting there. And so we had plenty of time over in the Bible aisle. And my daughter comes running on the corner and she's, Dad, can I get this Bible? And then Riker comes running around the other side. And he goes, Dad, it's like a picture book. He's like, Dad, can I get this Bible? And I, I was so pumped and so excited. Even Kristen, of all people, wanted a new Bible yesterday, right? But I, was, I just remember... That feeling, I love you, I'm joking with you. I'm totally have to take her to lunch now, right? I just remember sitting there going, I, no, I didn't want to cry because I'm tough, right? But that tone set, hey, it's important that we have the Bible, that each of us have our own Bible. Now, Rikers, yes, it is a picture book and it kind of only goes over the big stories, but that's exciting because he wanted it. He, he, he wanted it and he knows, dad, we need to read this together. Even Tatum, yesterday she's, we got home and, and we had the TV on and she wanted to stop the TV so that we could read the Bible together. And so we have a challenge. We're reading through the entire Bible. I'm leading, I'm in Exodus, okay? But I started early. 
Tatum is in chapter two of Genesis. I think she's beating Kristen. But <laughs> I'm buying lunch. It's okay, right? But I, I look at that and I'm not saying this to brag on myself because really I have a lot of flaws. But I was excited to see a hunger for the word of God in my kids. Amen. And that comes because we've obviously as parents, Kristen mainly, have set a tone. Hey, Jesus first. We're gonna, we're gonna follow him. No, it doesn't matter what it looks like. We're gonna follow him. Why? Because he loves us. He gave up everything for us, so we're gonna in turn give up everything for him. Our life will be set this way. And I'm asking ourselves this morning, what tone are we setting in our homes? What tradition are we stuck to that was no matter what? My tradition in my house is we will follow Jesus. I don't care what day looks like. I don't care what 2020 else can throw at me in the next 15 days. I will follow Jesus regardless. That's who I want to be. That's the tone I want set in my house. Because if God knows my name, then I can trust that he's aware. And if I can trust that he's aware, that means he has a plan. And like I said, names don't mean as much as they did back in Bible times now. Obviously, Jezebel and Lucifer are running in the streets of America today. But names did mean something in Bible times. And I want to show you that from the very beginning of time, God had a plan. Why? Because he knows your name. He's aware of your situation. And he had a plan. The first man made by God was Adam. And Adam, the definition of that means man. I learned this from a really good friend, Donnie Moore, and I just wanted to close service today with, with this. Adam means man. So God made man, and he says, okay, I need the Hebrew word for man. That's Adam. Okay, there we go. Your name is Adam. I don't know if that's really the Hebrew word, but that's what the name means, okay? Adam had a firstborn son. Uh, actually, it was after a whole issue thing happened, and he named him Seth. This is the line of Jesus, Okay. And Seth's name means appointed. I'd like for my name to mean appointed. Like, this is my son, appointed, right? They knew, they knew Seth as appointed. That's how they knew Seth. It wasn't just Seth, it was appointed. And Seth had a firstborn son. His name was Enosh. And Enosh means mortal. Seth must have been having a bad day and realized, man, I'm gonna die. I'm naming my kid mortal. <laughs> Here you are, kid. Good luck, right? And he named him Enosh. So nothing spectacular about that name. And Obviously, Enosh had a really hard upbringing because he's like, man, I'm gonna die one day. So he named his son Kenan, which means sorrow. Just full of sorrow. Kenan was known as the one who is sorry. The one full of sorrow. That's how he was known, right? If I was born back then, I wouldn't be known as Fleetwood Mac. I would have been known as Stephen the King. It would have been great. So Kenan was known as sorrow. Kenan had a firstborn son. He named him Mahalalel. If you think I did take some Hebrew classes to learn this, I did look up on YouTube how to say this guy's name, okay? <laughs> Mahalalel. It means the blessed God. That's cool. Like, yeah, like that's a good like Christian strong name or I guess Jewish name. Yeah, that's awesome. And Mahalalel had a son. He named him Jared. This is the name we see all the time nowadays here, even in 2020. But it means he shall come down or shall come down. And then he, Jared had a firstborn son and he named him Enoch. We know this guy. This is the guy who God said he loved and ripped him out of the earth and said, you're not gonna experience death. You're just gonna come to heaven right now because you're awesome. That would be great, right? But that's Enoch. And his name means teaching or to teach. Enoch had a son before he was ripped out of earth and his name was Methuselah. And Methuselah means his death shall bring. I don't know what Enoch was thinking that day he was born, Right? He was really close to God, but he's like, your death shall bring, this is my son, right? It's like, okay, okay, a little weird, but sorry, guy, it's okay, right? Well, Methuselah had a son, he named him Lamech. And Lamech actually means to 
despair or the despairing one. And so Lamech is known as the person of despair his entire life. And remember, they, they didn't live for like 75, 80, 85, 90 years like us. They lived for like 900 years. So for 900 years, Lamech is known as the one of despair. That sounds terrible. Just being real, just being honest with you this morning. But Lamech had a son. We all know this guy. His name was Noah. This is the guy with the boat and all the animals, okay? This is him. And his name means rest or comfort. I want to show you, God had a plan. This is the first 10 men in the line of Jesus. You can literally trace this back. It's the part of the Christmas story we skip. It's the part of the Christmas story that we don't read. Why? Because I don't care who begot who, right? And so usually when I read through the gospels, I skip Luke chapter one until I saw this, the power of a name. Because when you take all their names and you put it together in a sentence, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. See, I think of Kenan and I think of Lamech. My entire life, I'd be sitting there saying, I don't know what I deserve to be in despair. I don't know what I deserve to be known as someone who's full of sorrow. Why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? We, you have asked that question. I have asked that question. Why me? What did I do to deserve this? This sucks. This is hard. And their entire life, they're known. Oh, that's Kenan. He's the one full of sorrow. Oh, that's Lamech. He's the one full of despair. But without Lamech and without Kenan, the sentence is incomplete. Because Jesus didn't come because we had joy. Jesus didn't come because we had a life free of hardship. He came because of our sorrow. He came because of our despair. So if you and I can look at the situation that we're going through and we can step back and see everything that God has lined up and ordained, we'd see he has a plan. He knows my name. If he knows my name, he's aware. And if he's aware, I can trust that he has a plan. Because from the very beginning, the foundation of the Bible, the first 10 men lay out the plan and the prophecy of a savior to be born in the town of Bethlehem who would bear my sin and my shame on that cross. See, God loved you so much that instead of punishing you, he punished himself. He took our sin and our shame and said, I will wear it. I'll take it on me. Why? Because I'm a shepherd who loves you. And I'm telling you right now that in the muck, in the mire, in the manure of your life, you are laying a foundation for your family to show them he knows my name. He's aware of our situations. And I promise you this, he has a plan. I want my kids to grow up knowing he has a plan. He's aware because why? He knows my name. And the Bible says he actually stands there in the throne room of God, mediating between us and the Father. Your name has been voiced before the throne of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed across this room. And maybe for you, that next step in this plan is to call on his name. He's calling your name. He wants you to call his name. And you're in this room right now and you say, you know what, I've never, or you're watching online as well. You say, you know, I've never made that decision to follow him. I never committed my life to him. Or maybe you're in this room, or you're watching online. You say, you know what, I've kind of been going my own way. And, and I've been distracted by my own things and I've gotten caught up in this whole 2020 thing. And, and I've kind of pushed aside God. I'm telling you right now, he's not pushed you aside. He's calling your name today. And this is the next step in the plan that he has for you. Thankfully, you don't have to walk 60 miles like Mary and Joseph. You just need to raise your hand. And you're in this room and you say, you know what? I wanna make that decision. I wanna recommit my life or I wanna, for the first time, commit my life to Jesus. 
If you're in here, you're watching online, could you just do me a favor and just shoot your hand up? Even if you're in a Starbucks watching online, thank you for that hand. Just raise your hand real quick. Just shoot it up. I'm looking. I'm the only one looking around, so I know what to do next. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Oh, wait. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Today, you are those, those people who raise your hands, and hopefully someone did online. You're fulfilling the part of the plan that God has for your next step. He's aware. He's calling your name. So what I'm going to do is ask us as a church family, can we just pray this out together out loud? All of us together. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's when you call on his name. So all of us together, can we just say this prayer? Say, Father in heaven, I call on the name of Jesus. Would you be my savior? And would you be my Lord? Today, I confess my sin. I need your help. I need to follow you. And that can only be done by the power of your Holy Spirit. So today, I give my life to you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. And I believe three days later you rose again. And I believe it all started at the very beginning that you had a plan for me that I would be found. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we, can we give a round of applause to those people who raised their hands this morning? Seriously, best decision you could ever, ever make. But I want, I want to end today with a, a little worship, a little song. So if you guys don't mind.